Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only, longest-running, finest, best-acted, most insightful, and just all-around most pleasant and wholesome Star Trek The Next Generation Rewatch podcast. My name is Mitchell Mellis, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Every week, we're coming at you with hidden lore, ostensibly about TNG. Brandon, how are we doing today? Doing wonderful, Mitch. Yeah? I, uh... I'd like to give a quick shout out to um, one of my favorite young men, mm-hmm. uh, rising star, uh, Linkara. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Big fans, I think. I think I can speak for both of us. Indeed, you can. Um, uh, the 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 Power Rangers rant. Atop um, the fourth wall, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I think. We're both very excited uh, for the coming collaboration. I am, I am. Um, it's been on my mind constantly these days. Um, it's it's really brought a light to my life, and I just cannot wait to to just to meet him. Really, I mean, when two mm-hmm. forces of talent come together like this, it's it's insane. It the synergy mm-hmm. is off the charts, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know that he can bring a lot to. To the show. I mean, it's rare to get the opinion of a Star Trek super fan, right? And and a sophisticated one at that. Indeed, you know, he owns it's... many Starfleet uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, more than we can say. Indeed, I only own a janitor's uniform. Hmm. Wait, a Starfleet janitor's uniform? Yeah, a Starfleet janitor's uniform. It's right. um. Yeah, you. It's in Star Trek First Contact. You see it. It's when they really opened okay. up the lore, yeah, and right. uh, it was it was a pretty snappy number. It was something that I just wear out on town, out to town a few few times a year. This raises the question: uh-huh. Who does clean the Enterprise? Um, Worf. I'm not sure, but maybe Roombas, some sort of Roomba technology. You would think they'd have them at that point, right? Or maybe the, uh, the TNG exists in a post dirt society. Yeah, it's a post lots of things society actually. Right, like so. A post society is one driven by the male. Mm-hmm. 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 That's pretty good. Thank you, thank you. So, there's a there's a lot to a lot to savor with it, but um, really, I am beyond excited for the presence of Lakara. Yeah. yeah. Don't uh, don't want to say too much yet, but uh, excited to pick his brain on lots of things indeed indeed cannot wait um so before we get into this week's events itinerary proper we have uh, a question of the week as we always do this one's from one of the ensigns as they always are uh this one comes from somebody named donovan donovan in wisconsin and he asks Hey, Admirals, in addition to Trek, one of my interests is astrology. Or whatever. Um, are any members of the crew cancers? I'm one mm. myself. Oh, no. 
Um, so I'm curious who I could relate to. Thanks for mm. everything that you guys do for the community, Donovan. Wow. Well, Donovan. Yeah, wow, that's heavy. I, I first my condolences. Um, I appreciate you um, confiding that in us, I suppose, mm. and writing in. Um, I, I, you know, I know how you must be feeling. Uh, my mother herself had a long very long protracted battle with cancer that lasted many years just several cancers going in and out of remission um she ended up just as some kind of husk on the bed barely cognizant of the world around her and eventually Mm -hmm. you know well you you know this but the ensign stones eventually she passed in the middle of the night alone it's a terrible thing cancer and i'm sorry that you have to deal with that kind of future that this is what you've staring down um i hope that the readier room us are bringing some joy to your life in these waning days in uh the fourth quarter as it were um to get to your question star trek is a picturesque society so things like cancer have been eradicated it's a post-cancer society um if you need support for this i i mean i i haven't had cancer myself and I, I can't really talk to you i'm just a host on a podcast but if you need support i recommend finding a cancer patient chat room um to talk with individuals going through the same thing that you are uh, i know they used to have those on aim and aol i'm not sure where they're hosted now but i'm sure they're still around for you it's the best way to to reach out to others um good luck ensign I don't know how much longer mm-hmm. you'll be an ensign, but good luck. Mm-hmm. Good luck, and uh, if I might add, um, you know, none of none of the none of the none of the the crew of the Enterprise um, are cancers, but um, there there's plenty of the production crew that I would probably describe as cancer. Well, that's a story for another time, or maybe we could tell it now. I don't know. If no, that's okay. That's okay. It's it. It's you know we got to treat this topic with the you know some modicum of respect. You know, that's true. That's true. Um, I guess if you want to know what members of the TNG production crew are cancer, then I recommend subscribing to the Patreon. Um, if you subscribe mm-hmm. to the fifteen dollar or more tier, which is the the acting ensign tier. Uh, you have access to all of our extra sound bites that we post, and one of them will be a rundown, a comprehensive rundown of who is the most cancerous on the our production crew. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great idea, Mitch. And um, remember that, Donovan. If you don't subscribe soon, you might not have a chance to. So right, please right. seriously consider it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because where else is the money going? Right, right. It it would be better served to fund um, the readier room, which brings joy to so many people, than it would be to just sit in an account somewhere collecting interest. Well, yeah, what what are you really going to do with it? I mean, yeah, like we're we're providing a public service, really, so... That money's already Uh, collecting our interest. mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Donovan... Good question. Good luck. Hope to hear from you again. Brings us to this week's episode. Oh, wait, hold on. 
if anybody else listening has cancer, feel free to send us a uh, question of the week at theradioroom at gmail.com. So the capital T, T, capital R, and a capital R. Or you can DM us on Twitter at theradioroom. Anyway, with that out of the way, time to get to this mm-hmm. week's episode, um, which is a matter of honor. Matter of honor. Which is weird because honor is not the uh, the focal point around which anything revolves in this episode. It's I wouldn't a, say anything. It's not a matter of honor, though. It's a it's a matter of um, intelligence, uh, cultural relativism, <laughs> reasoning, um, <laughs> common sense. Yeah, common sense is a that's, good that's one. That's what I they should have called it. Yeah. A matter of common sense. Yeah, and really, because a matter of honor implies the Klingons, but the Klingons aren't really the uh, the catalyst for this for the events of this right. episode. It's more of just um, some wayward fishman. Yeah, yeah. Um, c- combined with what is is close enough to a natural disaster to not really have any any sort of uh, uh, in in intention in causing the conflict. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Thinking about it, the um, the phenomenon itself just kind of being more or less inconsequential. Yeah, I mean, how often does this happen that you're kind of just driving down the spaceway and? some bacteria latches onto your ship and starts eating it. You know, I've heard that before, but usually as a racial allegory. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, bacteria just eating away at, at uh, the integrity of my vessel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, you know. Like, yeah. Um, but what uh, what did you think of, of this episode overall? I guess that's a good question. Um, I am vaguely positive about it. I like mm-hmm. to the point where it would be like a fifty-one percent score, just 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 over the line of uh, of ambivalence to positivity. Mm-hmm. So just barely. What did you? Yeah, think? Uh, I really liked it. I Yo, liked you, it a lot, and you, I think it's you really liked probably... it. Huh? It's probably the first, like, actually really good episode of the season. You see, this is your your Riker fetish coming in, coming into play. You just, Not necessarily. You love Riker episodes. Well, yeah, Riker episodes are great, but, uh, you know, not necessarily because of Frakes, although he's, he's a wonderful actor. But uh, they they just tend to be written for Riker. The episodes written for Riker just tend to be more interesting. I mean, knowing later Riker episodes, of course I agree with that, but I'm not sure how well that applies to this one. I don't, I don't find a lot of this to be, to be interesting, given that, um, the, the main drive behind the plot is just some, you know, guy's strange cultural practice that doesn't involve Klingons at all, and then... The, the when there's this whole air of not mystery but where one side doesn't know the actions of the other like the enterprise is completely ignorant to what the klingon ship is doing yeah um it's very hard to get invested in the actions of most of the main characters like what are picard and data doing because ultimately it doesn't really matter they're just going to be reacting to what the klingon ship is doing so 
that kind of cuts off half of the equation. Uh, I guess so, but I, I feel like this episode is more or less about the intersection of three different cultures and how, how you know, it's it's almost like a butterfly effect sort of thing. It, it is, you know? except for the fact that um, it's very one way, the cultural yeah, exchange sure. on, on the Klingon ship. Like, there's one moment where Riker uh, kind of challenges them to be more human, and nothing really comes of it at all, so it's more or less meaningless. And it's not even that long of a moment. But aside from that, it's just very one way of Riker just uh, uni- uniformly accepting Klingon culture. I which, guess, but... Which makes sense. Riker is our main character it, who's able to kind of evolve. I, that's the thing. I don't think Riker evolves. He, From the very first um, part of the episode, he's like, all right, I'm very interested in this assignment. This is what I want to do. Um, I, before I go, I'm eating all these Klingon... I gotta sneeze. Maybe I don't. It's coming. I'm not going to edit this out. Um, anyway, uh, he... He's very gung-ho about trying the Klingon food. Like, he's not reluctant at all. He goes over there and he make, he shows his uh, worth in the Klingon way very easily. Um, there's no arc of Riker accepting another culture because he's already done it so easily. And sure, there's, so... There's no real progression the, over there for him. The, the arc, I guess, would be... The arc, I guess, would be that he's kind of proven himself in practice, which I think is interesting in its own way. I, I mean, there was, I guess there was never really a question of whether or not he'd be successful at it. So you lose a bit of intrigue in that way, I guess you could argue, but, um, you know, as, as a recurring, very main cast member, um, you're not going to see super significant changes in Riker. And then also, um, you know, just Klingons being what they are for the franchise, which I think is inherently very interesting, and I love Klingon episodes, but Klingons being what they are for the franchise, you're not going to give your Klingon characters any huge revelations, um, you know, lest you you risk uh, kind of dismantling the relationship between Klingons and humans uh, across the entire series um, and what it is now, which is kind of uh, slightly antagonistic still. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's kind of what you, what you, what, what we base a lot of episodes on going forward as well. well so uh, the exchange really couldn't have done much in the way of like teaching people anything. Well, here's a question. If you, if your hands are tied in this way where you, you, need Riker to um, of course be competent and he has to be kind of static because of the nature of a syndicated television show um, and you don't want to upset the the fabric of what Klingons have been for the franchise for so long then why make this episode uh, <laughs> why, why write this because you're not beholden to making a Riker serves on a Klingon vessel story um, why write something that ties your hands in regards to having a satisfying emotional arc over the course of the episode. Well, look, I think it's a, I think it's a fun sort of fish out of water type story. 
That's just the thing, a, uh, though. He's not a fish out of water, right? Your fits, he kind of he, well, he, he fits kind of, in so, so he's, well. Yeah, but like gradually he does. But from he, the point of view of the Klingons, they're constantly doubting him. So, I mean, from their perspective, it's kind of, it's watching Riker prove to these Klingons who are very, um, what's, what's the word? I mean, I, they, they're, they're presumptuous. They think, you know, the, a human can't make it on, on the ship. The only person who has an arc in the episode is the second in command officer, I believe, is his rank. The, the guy that, that Riker fights at the very beginning. Yeah, sure, and that's that's fine. I mean, no, that that is you, fine. But it's, I don't think that that's given enough um, significance. Certainly not to the plot, and definitely not in dialogue. Um, well, no, it's it's not given enough significance, and he he should have been. He probably should have been the one to kill the captain. Right. That I mean, that's if you could tie that to the 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 plot itself and give it give it a nice payoff in that way that is had its has its significance boost artificially just by resolving the plot um that would have been great and that that would have made things a lot more interesting to me but as it stands it's just uh there's just really nothing to it it's Riker goes on the ship within two minutes he's He's proven himself to at least the captain in the Klingon way. So that signals to us that, all right, he's already there. There's not really any progress to make. And the only guy who does make progress, nothing comes of it. He's just like, oh, you're... What does he say at the end of the episode? He says, like, one line after Riker you, you, gets punched. You you know you know more about Klingons than something. Right. And that's it. That's uh, that's the only resolution we get. But you're 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 right, and I agree that the the resolution. Well, everything starting with uh, the captain being belligerent over some bacteria eating eating the exterior of the ship and blaming the Enterprise. Everything between that and the resolution of the conflict is all a little silly, and I think um, it it does it does a horrible disservice to the episode. Um, despite being such a small part of it, if that makes sense. It's not the, the, the disservice it does to, to this episode, um, is not proportionate to how much screen time it takes up yes, or how important it seems at the time. But had they, had they written something, I guess, a little more, uh, intriguing, um, tying everything together a little bit better. I think this episode would have been, I think you would have come out of this episode saying, yeah, it was good. Uh, and I don't know if it's necessary, but that's, that's the thing. It's like, is it necessarily fair to say, you know, just because that one part of the episode was wrong, that the, the, the rest of the episode has no merit when clearly you could have taken, I mean, 35 minutes of the episode and just changed the, the other 10 minutes and it would have been pretty good. Oh, Yes, I mean, that's strictly true, but I think the problems that I have with it would not entirely be fixed by removing that that plot, because, again, you still have to replace that, find some kind of arc for, rather, some satisfying, meaningful arc for somebody to put in there, because if I'm just looking at the rest of the episode, great, the scenes with Riker amongst the Klingon crew still don't really work so well, because he intrinsically fits in so easily 
that it's it just well, doesn't feel worth watching. The, the the issue the issue is like where Riker doesn't need an arc though I mean thematically somebody episode, needs an arc it's a it's a well, fucking television what, show well, that's what we were just talking about the 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 second officer so can have an arc you're saying in this freed up ten minutes that's not yeah okay yes yeah. that's true this is not an unsalvageable episode but I can't like it on potential alone. But it's it's not just potential alone. I mean this this has this has some great scenes. It has some great dialogue. The 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 characters actually feel like human beings talking to each other on the Enterprise, which is uh, a nice change. Yeah, that's that is a good. I like when the uh, the Enterprise has kind of realistic workplace dialogue. I don't really know how to describe it. But, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And I said I was positive about this episode. It's just. Um, it's weighed down by the lack of that uh, that satisfying arc. It's still well, yeah. overall a good episode, but it's not not one I'm I'm kind of ecstatic that's, about. That's all right, Mitch. You're just not a true Trek fan. I'm not a true Trek you, fan because you you don't you don't blindly accept um, every episode as being a masterpiece, and you you dare to criticize. Look, it's Klingons. <laughs> so before I guess we get into our painfully slow recap of the episode that's um, how it's been described yes <laughs> yeah whoever left that itunes review come on do um, better yeah do better um this this episode this episode there's a lot of interesting things going on with the production behind the scenes of this episode mm. um we had uh as as i remember some some cast shakeups yeah uh, well, not the cast. Um, we didn't film this in India, but the crew. So the kind of thematically, the the crew for this one, we decided to do something a little special once the script came in and we saw what the episode is about. We went to another CBS production and we kind of did a work swap. Like half of their crew came to our production and half of our crew went to theirs, which was The Price is mm-hmm. Right. So they had a really fun time. Oh, yeah. Um, And that was the idea, right? Kind of to mirror what was happening in the episode. It'd be pretty cool. Just like in the episode, new people would work together. They would hopefully learn something and it'd be awesome. And we're all we kind of the crew organized this on their own. and We were excited to to show it, you know, show these new faces to the the cast, the the, the actors, the producers, the higher ups, because this came from the bottom. And it was mm-hmm. pretty disappointing. Um, they all, it really took the wind out of our sails when the first day of production, you know, we're all kind of giddy, excited, and <laughs> n- none of the actors or the producers or anybody, the director, seemed to realize that half of the crew was made up of entirely new people they had never seen before. No, <laughs> no remarks on it at all. Right, right. Um, and uh, I think needless to say, neither you nor I drew the uh the right straws in the situation no um i always wanted to go on the price is right production never never got that chance which is crazy considering how close we were but um yeah i we we did i think uh, an exceptional job in kind of staying true to the roots of this episode um and i guess it kind of just goes to show how um how dedicated we were to star trek and 
Um, mm. How that wasn't always the case with with the producers. No, um, certainly not. You know. um, but uh, we also had um, we 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 had we had Marina working um, on the other side of the camera. I forgot this about episode. That. She really tried her yeah. best. She oh she did. <laughs> it almost saddens me to uh, to talk about it now, but uh, for the ensigns who don't know, um, obviously Troy's not in this episode. Um, she felt like her character didn't have enough, um, I guess, erotic scenes mm-hmm. relative to the number that Frakes had. And, um, you know, you go on any Star Trek community these days, and um, this is still a pretty, pretty off-sighted example of, of the sexism in TNG, which I think is kind of, you, you can't really refute that, right? So this episode, mm. she, um, she cashes in on a few favors. Um, she works as the second assistant camera this episode. Which is a big, uh, big job. Yeah, it's it's a big responsibility. Lots of hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a lot of getting used to. And uh, you know, she's just kind of trying to uh, spread her wings and see see if there was something better out there. You know. Um, but unfortunately, we uh, <laughs> we learned the hard way that she couldn't count. No. Um, <laughs> and we couldn't count on so, her. Certainly not. The the uh, the shot numbers were all messed up by the end, and. Uh, the uh, the boys in editing nearly all quit. I mean, I so, would have too. Yeah, I imagine dealing with that. So yeah, she had to go back to acting the next episode. Um, it really mirrored the arc of um, Troy, where very very late in the series, she tries to get um, she takes a test to become some kind of uh, some rank. I don't re- entirely remember what it is, and she just kept failing the test over and over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's art imitating I, life. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's inspired by her life experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a real shame that Troy wasn't in this episode because I really would have liked to have known the emotional state of the Klingons when they were clearly oh, very yeah. angry. Yeah, um, geez, the emotional state of of Mendon of of all the ensigns. Well, Mendon is um, an ensign. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the main ensign though. He is the main ensign. Um the low main ensign. So So Where does this episode even start? This episode starts in a training exercise where Riker and Picard are shooting at targets. Yeah, and they're they're like back to back. Right. Uncomfortably close on to a, each other. On a platform in a black void. Is it like one of those inverted exercise balls? Because that's what I imagined it as. No. I, um, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I don't <laughs> think... They're both kind of balancing on it. <laughs> that's that's just your head cannon. That's that's what I'm... Uh, that's what I'm seeing now. Like I, I, I watched the episode just just not two hours ago, and that's what I see in my mind's eye as having happened. It's a prefer a preferable version of the episode for Riker and Picard to just be on the same exercise ball. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so so Picard, Picard's talking about some some uh, the 
God, what is it? The the interspecies exchange program? I, I don't think it's interspecies. I think it's <laughs> I, I think it's just different crews. <laughs> um the, the interspecies breeding program. There you go. So a number of new crew members are gonna beam aboard the Enterprise, and they're all medical staff, I believe. They all have blue shirts, which I think is what that means. Yeah, but they, they, clearly they're not, though, are they? Right. But I I feel like we just kind of played it fast and loose with who wore what shirt. Yeah, but, I mean, imagine the confusion that caused the audience this episode. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you are right. Your shirt is your identity in Star Trek, and it's, um, it's, it's the way that we kind of got through to some of our more special um, audience members kind of on the spectrum. Um, who does what? And what you can expect from them. Well, it's it's amazing um, that when Worf changed the color of his shirt between seasons one and two, um, that a new color of his shirt marked his identity more than the fact that he was a Klingon. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, now he was security. You know, now he's he was a he was a big tough boy. So I don't really know what he did um, before, but it it feels like a promotion. It is a promotion. He he just stood around on the bridge before he didn't really do anything now he stands around on the bridge and uh he he, he growls he does growl he growls a lot yeah um, it's and even in this episode he's a growler yeah 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 he is he is um yeah so so we we got we got like what a dozen ensigns beamed onto the bridge uh here. four i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's that's zero for two now. I'm having a really tough time remembering this episode. Um, I don't even know if they're all ensigns, but I don't have anything to say against that either. So they might be. Yeah, one I of, think one they of are. them certainly is. One of them is a benzite, and we get some very nice, uh, casual microaggressive microaggressive <laughs> racism from Wesley Crusher. That's right. That's right. That's he, right. He walks up to this guy, Mendon is his name, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, uh, Men." What was the other guy's name? He calls him a different name. Oh, I forget. Yeah, what was it? Uh, it's something really similar. Cholo. But yeah, it's it, it was his alien friend from from the academy. Right when he had that test, and uh, yeah, yeah. But who is also a Benzite? So he says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my friend. You all look alike to me." Right, 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 right. Um, really, really insensitive, isn't it? And this is how you can tell that this episode is written by a white guy and not, and not a Benzite. Because he says, Wesley Crusher says, well, how do you tell each other apart? And Mendon says, I don't know. We just do. <laughs> I mean, it's a question we've all asked at some time or another, isn't it? That's true. Um, now, that, that, is, um, that, is, that is John Putch, the same, the same guy in that, uh, that suit. So, so you, you can't even blame um, Wesley. Yeah, you as an audience member would be excused for thinking it's the same person, too, because it basically is. My headcanon uh, we... is that he's lying about his identity just because he doesn't yeah. want to talk to Wesley. <laughs> yeah, um, we that's that's as good a reason as any, honestly. That's that's great. Um, yeah, so so we we had we had fitted that that uh, costume for. For John, um, obviously, last season and. We kind of had no choice but to hire him back for this if we wanted a Benzite. Yeah, I think our plan going forward was to bring him back every season as a different Benzite. 
and yeah. Wesley Crusher would inevitably, um, you know, get confused. Like, oh, hey, Mendon. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Men Blork. You know. Yep. Yep. And it yeah, would be a running. It was a good joke. running thing. Yeah. Um, it didn't end up happening. Uh, we lost the suit. We didn't feel like recommissioning it. And well, uh, we lost Will too. That's true. So, yeah. ultimately, I guess it was all for the best. But, um, so they 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 go to their uh, they go to their indoctrination session, right? Which is uh, a memory that exists only in our minds that has been mm-hmm. lost to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene, the indoctrination session itself, was part of the episode, and it didn't make the final cut. A little too dark for prime time. That's what they said. Um, if anybody remembers the scene where from a couple episodes ago where the guy who had possessed data was taking a psychological test and he saw a bunch of images subliminally flash on a screen that was kind of what the indoctrination session was going to be like except all the ensigns were kind of like strapped to a chair with their eyes held open by by an apparatus yeah, of some sort it was a lot darker yeah it was cutting cutting edge i think um a little out there but i was proud that we were we were putting that in um, when no other shows at the time would dare do something like that, but yeah, a little bit yeah. too much for for the censors, I believe. And you know, you know how they say, you know, you couldn't make that today, you right? Know? That's something you could make today. You know, we were we were a little too early on the hard hitting primetime TV. You know, right? Hard hitting, tight fitting. You can make that today. You can even make it tomorrow. But mm-hmm. in some ways, it worked in our favor. If you just hear the phrase indoctrination session, but you don't get to see it, your mind kind of makes its own horrible image of what it is. And, in, you know, it's nice to leave some things up to to the viewer where that, that mm-hmm. sense of dread is, is on their, their part they, they create. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, what you don't know is a lot scarier than, than what, you, what you are shown, right? Right. But all the same, the... The performance by the Benzite actor in that scene, it gave me chills, and I'm I'm always uh, regretful that the audience didn't get to see it. Yeah, well, you know that's that's probably half the reason he got snubbed. He never came on Star Trek ever again, right? So, um, and you know maybe had the audience been able to see that scene, public opinion would have been enough to keep him around. I I don't know, but. It it really is a shame when you see a talented actor like that um, kind of fall off, you know? I don't know if you know this, but when he was gripping the chair so much that you know, one of the character's fingernails popped off, that was actually mm-hmm. his his fingernail. No. Yeah. He had to be rushed off to the medical tent for... Wow. God knows how long. Now see, that's dedication. And I mean, who else could that come from but the guy dressed in entirely blue with uh, a, a, a giant mask on his head. Right. Well, for an entire episode. When the mask obstructs your, your face and your ability to emote, you have to deliver your performance in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not taken into any consideration, obviously, because it didn't make the final cut. But um, I think that... It would have been. Well, definitely it would have been. But I think he's satisfied knowing that, you know, those who were there on set remember his... Uh, his performance it's one of those hollywood secret performances that nobody ever talks about 
but right. is respected right. by those in, in the craft and in the know. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I think this is a scene that's worth getting out there because I, I, I know they have it. They have it somewhere, right? Um, in the archives, and I mean, I haven't seen it on any. Granted, I haven't. I have never picked up the Blu-rays, so maybe they made it onto the deleted scenes there. Any instance who have the um, the second season Blu-rays, well, check the extras and let us know. Here's the problem, and I was I remember I was talking to my son about this, because he, he knows a little bit more about technology than I do. So I was mm-hmm. asking him, because we were, you know, sometimes we watch the episodes together, and we watch this one together. And I said, on the Blu-ray, is it even possible to, to see the Mendon character because of his blue skin and the blue disc and the blue rays? Don't they oh my kind God. of obstruct that? And, you know, he said, yeah, you're right that's that's how it goes so mm-hmm. even if that scene is on the blu-ray it's not going to come through in its um intended uh glory because the the blue no kidding makeup that we put on him just completely uh masks the the performance no yeah wow that makes that makes a lot of sense and you know that's where you i mean everyone's talking about 1080p this and 4k that i can't make heads or tails of it but you see, here's here's where Blu-ray really starts to to show its true colors. Mm. Um, well, it's it's true color. Pun, pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Just the um, one. And you know, this is why I still keep my VHS player. Exactly. Exactly. Because uh, you know, when 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 you're dealing with a format that, and this is why films are you know as dark and kind of gritty and brown as they are these days, because when you're dealing with a color like blue that can't be shown. Um, I mean, it's it like think about what it's done for film, just like the the, the horrible impacts it's had, and here's one of them. So yeah, um, yeah. I I always revolt against that myself. You know, I'm a big proponent of VHS, just like you are. Whenever I'm mm-hmm. forced to watch a DVD, what I have is a a cardboard cutout that I put on my television that restricts it to just the the four by three aspect ratio. Yes, 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 just to keep it pure. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. That's right. what we were meant to be seeing. So, you know, you you, you see this show in widescreen, and um, you, the cracks start to show. And it's it's not it's not our work, you know. It's not really what we what we meant to get out there. But uh, soulless. But yeah. Anyway, I I digress. Um, the the indoctrination session. So they go to the indoctrination session, but apparently they don't learn anything there. No, they they learn nothing. Because, <laughs> as we find out, Mendon um, has no idea what to do when he sees that uh, uh, bacteria are eating the outside of the Enterprise and the Klingon uh, battlebird, warbird. Which becomes a central um, plot point, just his inability to say anything to anyone. Right, and- well, to begin with, he's... Uh, He's he's kind of a pain. He's very obsequious. Yeah, that's definitely the word I would have used. Do, do, do you know that um, word? Of course I know that word, Mitch. <laughs> of course you do. Of course I know that word. What word? Obsequious. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. It means uh, it means you can't see through something. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And um, being of <laughs> being of solid matter, he's extremely obsequious. <laughs> well, on the Blu-ray, he's not obsequious. So. Oh my god, that's right. Crazy. Checkmate. Um, right. Yeah, Mendon. Yes. I hate Mendon. Mendon. I, I, well, you're, so- you're not probably not supposed to like him very much, but I fucking hate him. <laughs> no, Mendon, Mendon was all Burton. Um, th- that is uh, the... Uh, the teleplay writer, co-writer of of this episode for the Ensigns, not in the know. Any um, relation to Tim? No, Burton was his first name. Remember? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to keep track of who we call by their surname and who we call by their first name and who we call by their dead name. Right, their surname, their dead name, their ma'am name, their ma'am name. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, Mendon Mendon was uh was Burton's Burton's child, I guess you could say. Um and so I mean every now and then as a writer, Mitch, you need to work out some of your your old baggage on paper, I think. Hmm. It's 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 what keeps you going in the field. Um and a lot of writers, I think in in the industry have plenty of horrible experiences to kind of fall back on because you know when when you're you're grinding every day just trying to make ends meet trying to make it in this business rising and uh, grinding yeah when you're rising and grinding naturally you're going to kind of run into the a kind of adversity that um people not in the industry won't understand mm-hmm. um they're incapable of understanding it um no one has as hard of a time as we do um because well, we work in the industry you're either a creative or you're not and if you're mm-hmm. not it's very hard to understand the plight of uh creators yeah and... yeah yeah um yeah we're all very very tortured um we'll just leave it at that but um Menden was was based on an old manager that that burton had um back when he was working in nine to five before his ascent to stardom mm. before he got um, big before he got big, yeah. And um, this manager had been hired around his two-year mark of, of being with that company. And from the get-go, she was just constantly trying to reinvent the wheel, um, inconveniencing all of her subordinates. And that's why Mendon kind of has this trait as well. He goes, you know, from from Wesley standing behind his shoulder telling him, you know... We we can improve this process by five percent, um, you know, despite the way the or the fact that this is the way they've been doing it the whole time, and you know, um, there hasn't really been a problem with the enterprise so far, uh, and if, if if there has been, Wesley has actually solved it. So, um, you know, it's not really Mendon's place to be telling Wesley what to do, is it? No, I mean, uh, I well, I believe that Mendon being an ensign and Wesley Crusher being an acting ensign. Oh, he outranks him. He does outrank him. That's true. Um, but anyway, Mendon asks this way throughout the entire episode. Um, and yes, we're obviously supposed to dislike him. Um, and I think I think it's really cathartic, Mitch. Um, when you're dealing with these situations that you kind of had, you you kind of had no recourse in the past um, for. I think it's cathartic to get this kind of stuff out there. And of course, I think 
writing the person in question to be an ugly fish man who everyone hates is an essential part of this process. Yes. And you, of course, need the audience to hate the fishman. Yes. Um, he looks funny. He looks weird. Um, he's stupid. He's a poophead. You know, the whole nine yards. And um, he completely forgoes anything he could have possibly learned at indoctrination training and just, just keeps the main conflict of this episode to himself until, um, you know, two, two starships are about to be blown up. Until he saw it fit to tell everybody they were about to get fucked. Yeah, so wait, how does it... Cause so he doesn't bring it up when he first sees it, but right. then he does bring it up when? Um, oh, because somebody else, else finds it. it. Right, and because he's um, as obsequious as he is, he says, mm. oh, well, I already found that a while ago when I was doing my scans. Yep. And then they, well, why didn't you say anything? And that's when he's, well, it's Benzite customs to be as inconvenient as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is exceptional. You have to wonder how um, how they get anything done. Because right. if, if the onus is on the least experienced person on the ship to solve an issue, um, I don't know about you, Mitch, but I've, I've uh, been in situations where I've had to rely on a low-ranking person at work to solve an issue, and it tends to take them about ten times as long as an experienced person. It does, and it's it, just going on this for a second. It's always fun. It's a, it's fun, as fun as it is frustrating, when you're like, well, I could just push this person aside and do this myself, but I'm just going to wait for them to finish it as an <laughs> exercise to see how long they can actually take. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. The uh, the 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 peanut butter muffin. Remember that? Of course, I remember that. Tell that story yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, um, I, a classic example. But, um, yeah. And I I think I think Worf kind of revels in it this episode as well, which is which is fun. Yeah, that's cute. I I thought that that was very cute on Worf's part. Um. Mm. Just he's like you will impress me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that got a laugh out of me. Um, few scenes in this episode did actually, but uh... Worf, Worf in general was pretty good this episode. Um, I've probably talked about this before, but I must reiterate: How does Worf know so much about Klingons despite being raised by humans? Um, it's a good question. It's Surely innate that that's just Klingons <laughs> become aware of of this culture. Really makes you think, huh? Really gets that noggin jogging. Uh, did did he serve in the Klingon military before Starfleet? No, I think he was a child. His dad died. He gets passed along to a yeah, you're right, a human family, and then he enters Starfleet. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah, so there's no reason for him to know any of this stuff unless it is innate. Well, later on, um, it, it is established that he has um, he that he studies Klingon culture. Um, you know, he's kind of got like those relics in his room when we get around the scene. Yeah, that. and it's right. not not insane to think that he he in an effort to connect with his roots, he just did the research. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it's it's not something to get too hung up on, but I I find it odd that they never really try to explain it. Yeah. It's kind of hand-wavy. I don't think that Worf's backstory is super well-established at this point. Not until, yeah. um, I don't know, season three or four, where mm-hmm. the, the overarching plot of that season is Worf's Klingon relations. Right, right, yeah. Which yeah, sounds like a, like a porno. Worf's Klingon relations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Worf's wild Klingon relations. Oh, four. Oh, baby. Uh, so, meanwhile, meanwhile, we've got um, Riker, who wants to take an assignment on a Klingon well, so warbird. Here's this. They're, there's They have a crew exchange thing, right? So, people from another Federation ship come to the Enterprise. Yeah. And, you know, Picard and Riker are talking about this. and like, oh, that sounds fun. And um, instead of giving Riker to another Federation ship, they just give him to a Klingon ship? The Klingons are in the Federation. What? No, they're not. Yeah. They're, yes, they are. They're tepid allies at best. They're not... They No, they joined the Federation. No way. If We're, they if they joined the Federation, they wouldn't fire on the fucking Enterprise. <laughs> Fierce Googling. Fierce Googling. Oh God, where is it? Why did why did Klingons join the Federation? But they're not in the Federation the same way that. Like, Hold on. Everybody who comes to the Enterprise is wearing a uniform, Federation uniform. There's a clear difference between Worf and those Klingons. The Klingon Empire appears to have been intended to be a member of the Federation in TNG. However, in season three, the writers retcon that idea. Okay, there's that, and I think I misspoke. Another Starfleet ship. Not the, a- this this is a screen capture from season one showing a United Federation of Planets logo on a Klingon bridge. And then they posted a screen screenshot. Okay. If you're listening so, at home, just imagine. I'm I'm not um I'm not I'm not speaking out of turn to say that it does seem like they were supposed to be part of the Federation. However, you are ultimately correct. As always. No, but the point is that it should be within Starfleet. It's kind of the implication. And it's it's a bit wild to send somebody to a Klingon vessel. It seems a little irresponsible, a little dangerous. Right. Um, if, if Riker wasn't, um, you know, the Gary Stew that he is, he would have gotten his ass kicked, probably killed on that ship. Yeah, I mean, compare the two situations. What is the most pressing uh, issue that Mendon is confronted with? It's learning the the um, the proper chain of command in a Starfleet ship because he's still new. All right, what's the most right. pressing thing Riker is confronted with? It's whether or not to betray his ship with how to best destroy it. <laughs> While <laughs> a, a, a... should should he kill should he kill his acting captain or his real captain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, it doesn't really ruin the episode by any means. But it was just a big surprise to me when Riker and Picard are talking about this. Riker agrees to it, and then it's like, "Whoops, you're going to a Klingon ship." Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> 
Oh, Riker, Riker revels in the idea of, uh, of being a Klingon for a day. Okay, let's talk about this. How strong are Klingons supposed to be? How strong are Klingons actually? Right. So, to me, Klingons are supposed to be like an apex predator in so mm-hmm. far as physical combat. And, right. you know, Worf surely demonstrates this by always he's a security officer he's the first one into a physical confrontation that's that's kind of his job um regardless Riker just goes on the Klingon ship and completely manhandles uh one of their higher officers yeah um yeah he the Klingons are constantly getting bested despite the fact that as a warrior race they should probably the standard Klingon should probably be a lot stronger than the standard human right um not not just through you know like cultural norms but via evolution really yeah I mean they evolved those horns on their feet for a reason yeah so um I don't know maybe maybe the Klingons these days are a little soft maybe they're kind of fronting you know as the kids say well, there's a lot of pudgy Klingons. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, you know, decadence. Too much. Um, too much targ. They're they're approaching uh, what some might call the the fall of Rome for the Klingon Empire, mm. uh, because their their second officers are chugging soy, and they can't beat Riker in a fight. Yeah, when you lose to Jonathan Frakes in a fight, that's the death knell of your society. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, you can't even really talk about the chronological events of this episode, because we just kind of covered, okay, Riker goes to that ship, there's a microbiotic, uh, whatever, infection on the ship, eating away at the hull. 25 minutes pass and then the episode ends yeah yeah there's there's i mean we've covered just about everything um because yeah nothing really happens um a lot of kind of standing around on bridges i guess which is fine it's star trek yeah it's not bad um Um, it's fun to see Riker in the klingon environment I know you like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, I liked it a lot. There's not a lot of arc to it, but it's fun. It's certainly fun. It's fun. The scene the, in the cafeteria. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, we 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 flew out a uh, a Chinese chef from Shanghai mm. for the for the Klingon cuisine. Right. Remember that? It, it, there's a reason it looks so exotic on uh, yeah. on camera. Yeah, we needed something like a little alien, you know. So. Um, he prepared just a whole spread of food for us. Heart of Targ was, um, what's that thing? Pangolin. Pangolin innards. Mm. Um, Pippius Claw was the fermented foot of some lizard creature. Um, Rokeg blood pie. Right, the blood pie. That was, that was actually a paste made from the brains, and, and get this, made from the brains of young captive dolphins. Um, wow. A delicacy. Just, they tasted like nothing else in this world and those ingredients had to be shipped um separately for, so from we, we, shipping the chef yeah from shipping the chef like he, he couldn't travel with them so 
we we were i mean <laughs> i don't know if you remember we were on the edge of our seats because we, we we didn't film any of the food scenes until probably day five or six um because we hadn't gotten it until then you're right i do remember that and i remember yeah how once they arrived it was this mad rush to get it because the actors had to eat that stuff on camera so um, uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it, we had to get it filmed before it turned you know it's the yeah because dolphin brains those don't stay fresh for a very long time no and you know especially the gawk which which was a very real animal by the way very much alive mm. um although the real name of the animal is bashu i believe um and you know luckily with enough ribbing you get freaks to eat pretty much anything right so um if it spoiled a little bit that eh, would have been fine you, you know, never complained about it he 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 had a stomach of iron truly um well, we but, we all we all know that we see uh, freaks in a couple of years and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, but that 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 cafeteria scene is is much more than the food. Well, it's legendary. It has the the only interracial breastfeeding joke in the series. Yes, that's one but, for the encyclopedias. That was uh, that was all Gene. Yeah, <laughs> as if uh, as if we needed to tell the audience that. Right. I do like the Klingon banter. I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it is fun. It's fun. It's uh, very, very alpha male. Wait, hold on a very... second. Yeah, hmm. it is alpha male. But in this episode, um, Riker, he's, he's ribbon, he's bantering, and he banters with some of the women on the Klingon vessel. Yeah. And oh wait, no, never mind. Okay, let me explain where I'm coming from here and why I okay. have n- nothing really to say. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I was gonna say, didn't the Klingons take a look at the at the Enterprise and get indignant that they let women serve on their vessel? But no, I oh realized that was the Ferengi. <laughs> I I I was if if you didn't correct me on that, if you actually just legitimately asked that question, I would have said, yeah, you're right. No, but, I mean. I was. You saw how far I got into that thought before I realized. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad we sort of had the same thought. It was weird to see women on a Klingon ship. Right. It is uh, progressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Klingons, but they are on the right side of history to some degree. I really want to see Riker have sex with a Klingon woman. When I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. Based on <laughs> on Worf's. Uh, Im- image of what sex is between Klingons um, <laughs> in that season this one episode. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you see Frakes um, trying to make that like a strained, violent eyebrow cock, but also give it a hint of arousal. And just picturing mm-hmm. the performance in my head is uh, is tickling me. It would have been hilarious. It is. It is. <laughs> it's really a damn shame that we never got to see that. Um, I remembered this episode pretty well, so I was not expecting it because I knew it was not going to come. But um, I mean, and neither was I. Unfortunately, but it's it. It is really unfortunate. You're right. That would have been a hilarious scene. We we should compile a list of TNG episodes we have came to. And yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we can rank those. That's a good one for the Patreon. Maybe it'll even just be its own special episode of the Ready Room. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. File that one away. File that mm-hmm. under C for come. Um, yeah, yeah. The uh... yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil anything. How do you feel about Riker's um, subtlety in activating the homing beacon at the very end? <laughs> where where he just pulls it out of his pants and holds it in front of the Klingon captain. Yeah, and he flips it on and it starts blinking with like a really big light. And uh, the the captain holds it in his hand, staring at it like, Duh. <laughs> He just says, what is that? And Riker says, nothing. Take a look. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they were going to go that route, there's not much else they could have done. But um, as, as we already discussed, that was kind of a dumb resolution of that conflict. To me, it should have. Yes, certainly. Riker should have been able to mutiny the captain uh, apropos of nothing, just without needing to get him off of there. Right, right. Um, I don't know. That might have been a fun scene, a direct confrontation of, you know, I'm relieving you of power and I'm going to demonstrate how much of a Klingon I've become by challenging your authority and winning in front of the crew. Uh... Yeah, again, I think it should have been the second officer, you know, having learned that humans can can kind of stand up to Klingons as well. He would he would defend Riker's honor or whatever and be like, you know, you're not fit to be captain any more than kill him. Oh, that would have been perfect. Yeah, that is, you know, usually I'm the one rewriting these episodes, but that's a that's a really good idea. Yeah, it, it solves basically every problem of this episode. It does. It 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 really does. And there's a little bit of that, but instead of it being um, like a meaningful payoff for the plot, it's just the captain saying, oh, you've grown soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just kind of stands there looking at Riker get his ass kicked like a little bitch, and then he shuffles him <laughs> off the ship. I guess he did grow soft. <laughs> captain was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, far be it from us to criticize the captain, then. He, he was truly, truly a paragon of on virtue mm-hmm. and so they solve the problem uh Riker beams the captain aboard mutinies the ship has a very very strange uh exchange with Picard where Riker's seemingly putting up a front of being antagonistic towards the Enterprise mm-hmm for, yeah, for seemingly no reason, especially just as when, as a bit. Right when the narrative that he was pushing was that there is no conflict here. Right. So I, yeah, I I, I guess really that, dumb. that that is a practical joke taken over on Picard, but Picard never has that moment where he has a knowing smile of seeing Riker there. <laughs> he he just looks concerned the entire time. <laughs> it is very uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, some wires are crossed somewhere. <laughs> it's it's also just, it's really dumb having spent the past ten minutes telling the Klingons to stand down and then kind of like, you know, hyping them up to shoot the Enterprise or whatever. Right. It's not a very delicately handled climax. <laughs> no, not at all. That, that I think Riker would have been put in prison for that. Yes. It's just real life. 
Good lord. It's... It could have been cute. Like, you, so the the real, the best way to write that scene is just as a complete joke between those two. Like, Picard is yeah. a, uh, an appreciation for Riker's uh, diffusing the situation. Riker takes a few playful jabs at, like, being in control of the situation over his captain, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, just just a knowing smile would have would have done the trick. Yeah, but... that would have solved literally everything. <laughs> but once again, Patrick just doesn't really understand the situation his character's in. Yeah, <laughs> and we use that take. We use the the single take. Why would you, why one. would you ever take a second take? No. Overall, uh. I. My opinions on this episode haven't really changed. Sometimes they do. This time they did not. Um, it's a fine episode. It's in the realm of good, but it's got some structural problems that detract for me. Yeah. Um, I don't think my opinion changed either. I think it's the first must-watch of the season. Wow. that's It's stronger than you put it before. Must-watch? Well, I mean, you, of the season, you're not really working with much. No, but, you know, I'm I'm fine saying that season two has no must-watches. Um, did we get to the yeah. one, one with Nagilam yet? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's a must-watch. Really? Yeah, I like that episode. It's okay. Where silence has lease. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, like, sure, sure. Um... All I'm trying to say it's it's one of the few that I think uh, I think I would hardly recommend. I just think it's it's just good old plain fun. Wait, you'd hardly recommend it? It's one of the few that I would hardly recommend. What did I say? You said, I know I didn't say hardly. You said hardly. You say hardly. I, did not say hardly. I would hardly recommend. No, I said heart heartily, heartily recommend. Oh, I would heartily. heartily recommend. I see. I see. Your soft teas have fooled me again. Yeah, yeah, take that. I'll never, never forgive you for this. Um, now that we've reached, I guess, the end of the episode, um, and speaking of things we, we will never forgive, uh, I had a hard time inserting this little anecdote into anywhere else in the episode. Well, you, you, you've been talking about telling this story for weeks now, knowing that we are coming up on this episode. Yeah, um... I mean, uh, I think it was probably one of our worst days on the job. It was a dark day in TNG history. A dark day in Trek. And it's one that's not talked about. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, who's going to tell it? Will Wheaton? <laughs> um, Takes a so, spine to tell this story. Yeah, yeah. And, and here we are for the first time telling it like it is. Um, and you know what? If if you want to come after us, then so be it. But day three, day three of filming this episode, um, Bill Shatner's crew came in from the adjacent lot filming Star Trek Five. I think it was five. It was yeah, it was five, and um, completely trashed the breakfast spread. Ugh. Fucking just. All the I don't think people know how much work it's easy to say. Oh, he trashed the breakfast spread. Whatever, he knocked yeah. over a plate of. It. You don't get it. 
It's yeah. So first of all, there's many different kinds of food that goes in there. There's for the breakfast. There's eggs. There's bacon. There's sausages. There's pancakes. There's syrup. There's butter. The cereal. All kinds of cereals. Healthy sugar. Whatever. Milk. Almond milk. You know. I mean, little wheat was there. We had chocolate milk. So much stuff. And it's all laid out. It has to be laid out in a very specific way where you can get to it with the most efficiency that the most number, yes. maximum number of people can be around the table at the same time. So everybody's got a job to do their working. It's so much fucking work to do that. Yeah, there's a science to it. Right. Um, and, you know, we or food services, you know, spends you know, two hours a day uh, just getting this table set up. They arrive God before anybody else does. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you ever wonder who's first on the on the set for any any given production? Food services, right? Um, because the talent needs their energy. They need their you know? nummies. Without food services, um, no one would be working. the The buck kind of stops with food services, right? Um, so there we are, table all set up, eight a.m. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Bill, I see Leonard, I see DeForest charging through the door, shirts off, covered in war paint. Um, and they just come through and, and beat the shit out of this food. You know, the bagels turned to mush, globs of butter sliding down the walls. It was just complete chaos. You know, Frakes' testosterone was crashing, Marina's special order was just gone. Um... Will was down on all floors just lapping the food up off the floor. And who do you think they blamed when the the, the breakfast was not where mm-hmm. it needed to be when it needed to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because because who's who's going to believe you when you say Bill Shatner and the cast of Star Trek V um, charged through our lot dressed as Indians and destroyed the food spread? I want people. Gonna believe that? I want people at home to know that this kind of hazing is between productions is not at all normal. This is not some Hollywood fraternity thing that you just do. No, mm-hmm. it, we all appreciate the struggles that we're all going through. You know, unto each other. We get it. We support each other. We bring each other up. This is. I don't know what you, what even to call this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we can look on it, look back on it now, and, and laugh at it. But uh, it was devastating. You can. Laugh it it at really it. set the tone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's still tough. But you know, it's been uh, it's been forty years. You know, um, if, I think I think we're pretty good friends with Bill these days. Like you are again. If Bill can tender me an apology on Twitter, I'll accept it. Do I think Fair that's going to happen? No, I don't think that's going to happen. No. I had made my peace but. with Leonard before he passed. That was fine. Mm-hmm. Bill, uh, I don't want to say anything that uh, I can't take back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we should, we, I guess we should probably drop it, but, um, you know, just had to get that out there. Because, uh, you know, it did happen. I am happy that we told the story, that you told the story. Yeah. It's. I'm glad it's yeah. out there. The world knows yeah. now. It's uh, it's off our chest now, so we can begin to heal. Yeah, um, but on a lighter note, um, 
time for the uh the the trivia question i'm ready okay um this is a big one okay i have a big one you're a big red one Ooh. so this episode features a reference to what long-running light novel series that began in the 1980s light novel Mm-hmm. This isn't about Linkara, is it? No, no, no. Okay. No, it's a Japanese light novel series that began in the 80s. I, have, I don't even know what a light novel is. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess it's like a, a novel that's thinner, it's lighter? It's a small novel. Okay. Um. So you're asking what series is referenced in this episode? Yes, yep. Oh God! Well, I'm trying um, to think of my my image of Japanese um, pop culture, which is leading, if, if, leading if, me if, to the Benzite. If it helps at all, um, this did have a Japanimation version made of it. So. Okay. Um. Good Lord! In the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, I don't even know what to say. Um, I'll, I'll give it, you the first word in the title. Okay. It's a two-word title, okay? Okay. The first word is dirty, dirty. <laughs> what? Um, uh, dirty dogs. Dirty dogs? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, Mitch. It's dirty pear. Oh, yeah, of course. That you know You remember? That's that's what you've been calling us for years. Yes. Yeah, it was it was uh <laughs> it was all a reference to this. You you remember um friggin' Alan came in with uh with some VHSs of it. That was dirty pear? Yeah. Okay. Alright, alright. I didn't know the title. Yeah, we we were we were watching that like on loop, the entire week. So, what exactly is the reference in the episode then? The um the the computer where when um when when Mendon first sees the bacteria on the the Klingon ship. Yeah. There's there's a little thing in the corner that that references the two characters' names, um, K and Yuri. Huh. You see, that's a reference that you're only going to get, not even if you know know the material already, but you're looking for it. You got to look, yeah, yeah, and that's that's really what what Star Trek is all about is is kind of just gluing your eyes to the screen and making sure you catch as much trivia as possible. I'm in for that. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing, and uh, I think Star Trek fans can appreciate it, it's in uh, savant idiot savant level of of attention to detail <laughs> exactly yes yes uh, for example um characters wearing different color uniforms at different times uh, using the wrong model of a starship where it's the enterprise mm -hmm. uh, j instead of h and uh all that fun stuff yep yep 
Well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of The Readier Room. Rest assured, we'll be even more readier next week in our Readier Room. So until then, everybody, in your own Readier Rooms, please stay ready. The Troublesome Little Man-Child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures.